welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and I got a special announcement. This episode, wait, 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 wait. I need some drum rolls, please. Drum roll. This episode is the 50th podcast episode where I have been your humble host. Yay! We did it! Just wanted to say that. And as a prize for listening for this many episodes, I'm going to offer you a one-time deal. Never been offered before. I'm just kidding. It's the podcast promo code for the <laughs> National Disciple Making Forum. If you go to discipleship.org and put that promo code in, you'll get 50% off your ticket price for the National Disciple Making Forum. So go do that. Today's episode has been officially hijacked by the females. We got Renee Sproul speaking with Megan Rawlings about radical action, moving into your role in God's kingdom. This is about what it looks like for women to serve in the church. After they set up the topic for the episode, they go into detail about the practical steps to apply in your life. So make sure you stick around after the break for that. All right, guys, let's dive in and listen to Renee and Megan. Hey, welcome to uh, discipleship.org. I'm Renee Sproles, and today we are talking about radical action. We're in the middle of our radical series. Last week we did radical family. Check that out if you missed it. Great conversation with two really wise women, uh, Bonnie Blaylock and Katie Frazier. Today we're talking about radical action and we'll have radical intimacy and radical feminism coming up as well. And um, today we're going to talk about moving into our role in God's kingdom. And specifically, I want to talk about how we understand our spiritual gifts, uh, the purpose and nature of our calling in the realms of the home, the church, and the world, and some practical steps that can help us grow into maturity in these areas. And to help us, I have our guest today, Megan Rawlings. Welcome, Megan. Thank you. Welcome. (laughs) And um, and I want to tell you about Megan, and then we're going to get right to it. So Megan is a women's minister, a podcaster, a speaker, an old movie lover, a gas station food aficionado. What do you like at gas stations? Um, Speedy Cafe has the best tater tots (laughs) in the world. I will die on that hill. Oh, okay. Very good. I like bugles myself from the gas station. But tater tots is probably next level. And then she also lives for dad jokes. She's up for meaningful conversation. And she genuinely wants to help women step into their role in the kingdom of God, which is why I asked her to join us today. She's the co-founder of the Bold Movement, where she and her team help women gain confidence in their biblical literacy, gain boldness to evangelize and grow in their faith by using their content to enhance and expand the kingdom of God. And she's married to her best friend and pastor, Matt Rawlings. Welcome. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk with you about this. So, um, women's ministry, okay, it's a little bit of a trigger for me because it always (laughs) seemed so fluffy and yuck, like all the flowers, all the self-help feel good. And so when I saw, met you and then got online and saw your bold movement stuff, I was like, oh, be still my heart. (laughs) So tell me, just tell me real quickly before we dive in, how did, how did this come about? Yeah. So I was a lot like you where I was just kind of sick of what women's ministry looked like. Um, it was only scratching the surface most of the time. And I do need to preface that I am speaking in overgeneralizations. This is not every single women's ministry in the world, but it is a majority of them. I can honestly say that. It was a lot of, let me tell you a story about my dog and kids and how I saw Jesus through that, which is totally cool. But you're not teaching me the Bible by telling me stories about all of these fluffy things. And I want to know what scripture says, how I'm supposed to live, what God's called me to do and what that looks like. And so um, I complained to my husband about it um, and being disgusted with where women's ministry was. And he said, well, do something about it. And so that's how the bowl movement started. That's great. That's great. I know. Like, can we just have a women's ministry event that talks about like, um, JL and how she drove the tent peg through um, the guy's head all the way into the ground, by the way, yeah. it says, can we have a t-shirt with that on it? And yeah. like really do that? No, I'm just kidding. But, but I'm not kidding. Let's do it. <laughs> practice and our craft can be, you know, how to 
Right, right, right. So, okay, uh, as women, uh, well, not just women, but men too, but we're talking about women today. Let's start right. with spiritual gifts. So, what is a spiritual gift? Is it is it something that's our talent? Is it something else? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things, I think. So, um, I am not probably like typical what you're going to hear when you talk about spiritual gifts. Um, there are quizzes and things out there that people can take online. And I actually don't think you should do that. Um, and I'll tell you why we'll get into that. But a spiritual gift is something that God has gifted you with. Thus, it's called a gift. And it's something that um, is given to Christians as they spiritually mature. And I don't think that there is one spiritual gift per person. I think it fluctuates depending on the need, right? Um, but I think there are multitude of spiritual gifts. It's based on your talent. It's based on your passion. It's based on your personality. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, I think God's capable of making you do things outside of your passion and personality. But for the most part, spiritual gifts usually typically align with that because God created you to be that person and he's gonna gift you to accentuate those features. Mm, okay, so I have done those online quizzes and things. I have too. I'm not saying you're a terrible person for doing them. I just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna recommend that's how you find your spiritual gift. And, and you're right. The more reading I did in preparation for this conversation, um, John Piper is kind of in agreement with you, and he says, you know, uh, one way that you can kind of discover what your spiritual gifts are is to just try things. So you ask God, like, show me today how I can use my spiritual gifts to encourage someone in their faith. And then you see what opportunities he puts before you. And when you see something that's effective, it gives you a hint that, hey, you know, God's spirit works through me in that situation. I might be good at fill in the blank, exhorting or compassion or generosity or hospitality. And I thought, wow, that's so wise. I've never actually heard that. Or maybe I just wasn't listening but it's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, so um, I definitely think it's something you pray about and you ask God to show you. And God is really good about answering prayers like that. Show me where my weaknesses are. Show me where my strengths are. How should I, you know, do I need to improve in this area? Or is this something that I'm just kind of like, <laughs> hospitality is not my thing, right? Right, um, right? I can't identify. I love hosting, so I can't identify. But um, absolutely, but I also, I think there's another element. I don't, I don't think it's, I mean, yeah, it's pray, but I think also you can ask wise counsel around you and spiritually mature Christians around you. Hey, what do you think I'm good at? Or like, what, what do you think my spiritual gifts are? And I think scripture calls us to do that. That's one of the beautiful things about mentoring, like Titus 2, older women, and he's talking about um, older in faith, not older in age. Hey, you spiritually mature women, train the younger women. And I think part of that is helping them find what they're gifted at and how that gift can be used to glorify God and expand and enhance his kingdom. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, um, and we need those, we need those women in our lives. So yeah. like, and it seems obvious to me, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why, why do we need to know what our spiritual gifts are? Why do we need at least have some clues about that? Well, um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I think one of the beautiful things about knowing your spiritual gift, and this is going to sound crazy, it's knowing your weaknesses as well. Um, if, if you're not gifted in a certain area, maybe that's something you need to pray about, or maybe that's something that you need to work on. Um, I think that's kind of part of the test of being a Christian as well. Like I said, I don't think there's one spiritual gift that you're gifted. And that's like, I think there is a tendency sometimes for us to take spiritual gifts and make them very similar to personalities, right? So we take this quiz online uh, and it tells me that I'm a number or I'm a bunch of letters put together and it, it kind of boxes us in. And I think oftentimes it's really easy to use that as an excuse. Oh, well, that's just my personality. You know, I'm just, I'm not a friendly person. That's just my personality or whatever. But God has called you to be different things. He's given us commands throughout scripture. So it's not an excuse not to do those things. It just shows us where our weaknesses are, where we need to be more patient with ourselves, where we need to be more graceful with ourselves. And then where it's kind of like, you know what? I kind of need to like step it up in this area. 
But I also think it shows us if I'm gifted in hospitality, I need to host people more. If I'm gifted in administration, I need to volunteer my time with the church and help them get organized for the visionaries or whatever. Um, and also, I think it's just as simple as God has a role for every single Christian in his kingdom. And finding your role is is part of the process. I agree. I agree. That's that's really great. Because I do think in, as women, our self-talk can be pretty nasty mm. a lot of times. So when we're not <laughs> so good at something, you know, we, we can be really bad about how we talk to ourselves about that. And instead, just the awareness that we may need to give ourselves grace. As we, uh, like you said, like I'm not exempt from being generous. So, okay. So once we have um, kind of an awareness of our spiritual gifts and mm-hmm. um, we've talked to wise counsel, you know, people who are farther down the line in the faith than us. And we kind of have an idea, okay, I'm stepping out in this way. We're stepping out. We're stepping out in the home, in the church, in the world. And we're in all seasons of life. We have single women, young women who are, you know, still in high school and college. We have women with young children, you know, all the stages of life. How do we know where to go? How do we know how to balance? What, how do we, how do we know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you, because I'm this is my answer for everything, is scripture. Um, you can't practice what you don't know. So um, scripture very clearly defines what we're called to do as Christians. And the first thing that God has commanded us, well, the last thing God commanded us that I think is like a main priority, I should say, is the Great Commission. And um, I just read a Barna study couple months ago and it said that like 60% of millennials don't know what the great commission is. How can you Christian millennials, right, people who right, are right, claiming right. Christianity, how can you carry out a command that God has told you to do if you don't know what it is? And I think that goes with our spiritual gifts too. And just for those who aren't aware, the great commission is going out into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all of the things that he has commanded, which is at the end of Matthew, you can find it, it's everywhere. But I think knowing what you're supposed to do with your spiritual gifts is a starter. And how do you know what to do with it? Well, you start with scripture. Um, and if you need, if you aren't good at studying, if you haven't been taught how to study your Bible, which is another misconception that once you're a Christian, you automatically know how to study scripture. That's not true. You need to be taught. And, um, once you figure that out, or once you're taught how to, how to study scripture, then you're going to have a better idea of what your next step is. Cause you're going to know what you're supposed to do with that gift. So, um, so there's seasons of life. So there's a, like, I just got finished raising two kids Mm -hmm. and in that season of life, a lot of my calling was at home and it felt kind of, um, small. (laughs) It was small. (laughs) It felt small because it was small. It was, you know, it was like, I was in a home with two people, young people. And, um, and we did try to see how we could take our family of four, you know, into the church and serve and do ministry and calling together and into the world or bring the world into our home you know, for dinner or for whatever. But um, I think, talk to us about um, different seasons of life and and how, so we, we look to scripture and we know, okay, every one of us has to share the gospel. Right. But how do we know like how much, how much of our calling, and when I say calling, which is such a catchphrase word, how much of our, um, our kingdom work, you know, how much of our daily life is spent in each kind of set, section that we're talking about home church world because you know i had to fight against the lie that like it was a small calling you know it was a small work and i think that that's not uncommon sure Uh, so how can we how can we discern like what's what's um wise for each season of life maybe well first of all i just want to say that i'm really sorry that um you had those feelings because I think one of the highest callings for a woman who has children is mentoring and training her children. I think, and and it's not just like 
a minor calling because you are literally shaping the future church. And if every Christian mother took that responsibility seriously, I'm not saying they don't, I'm not a mom. So it's really weird for me. Like I try, I'm weird about what I say. because it's like, I'm not going to point a finger, but I'm just saying if we would take that calling seriously, I think the church would look completely different. Um, I'm, I like stats. I'm real big. I'm a real big stat person. And I had uh, seen another, I, I saw, oh man, I'm, I'm speaking Appalachian on you. I saw another <laughs> statistic um, and it said that it, it's like anywhere from 80 to 90% of children go to their moms for spiritual advice, for Bible advice, for church advice. And if moms take that responsibility seriously, you are literally taking care of 70 to 80% of the church. Like, think about that. God, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You are supposed to go out and make disciples. And there are these big, large, wild callings. But one of the most important ones is starting in the home. And I don't think people take that seriously enough. I think it's, well, I expect the church to raise my children and teach them what they need to know. Guys, that is 52 times a year once a week that they're hearing it. There is no way that you can teach everything about the Christian faith. There's no way you can walk hand in hand the way that a mom can or the way that an aunt can or a grandma or whatever. So let me just start. That was my starter. Let me just start by saying one of the highest callings for a mother is starting in the home, training your children. But that doesn't mean that that's your only calling. And I think that's something that I've seen a lot of my mom friends struggle with is I'm just a mom. I'm like, first of all, don't ever say that again. You are an amazing mom and moms rule. Okay. I had one and she was awesome. Oh, second of all, it's really important not to let that become your identity or your soul ministry, because when your kids leave, then what? And you're empty and you don't know where to go. Right. I will say this, um, older, more mature women, especially older in their faith, but older in their age, I think are probably the most valuable assets that the church has for everyone, especially the younger women. And I think oftentimes we kind of scoot them out or try to push them out and focus too much on the younger generations and what they can offer instead of really just engaging and just really absorbing as much as of wisdom that they have, the knowledge that they have, because those are spiritual gifts as well. The shepherding that they can do. I honestly, I will say this until I die again, I will die on this hill. There's a lot of hills I'll die on. Okay. <laughs> but this one, I will. Let's name them. That's exactly <laughs> right. That older women and their spiritual gifts, because they're refined. They're, they have been there, done that. They've worked on it and they have some of the most beautiful ministries. I don't know that there is a 30% church, 30% home, 30% um, world. I think it's every day and every opportunity that I have is God giving me opportunity to present the gospel, to use my spiritual gifts, to invest in others, expand the kingdom of God. So I don't, I don't know that there's a certain formula to it. I think it's just where you are right now with the knowledge you have, with the job you have, with the friends you have, all of that was created and God put it in this point in time because this is where you could glorify him the most. And so your job is to figure out, okay, today, what words can I use that bring glory to God? What actions can I bring glory to God by using? And I think that's kind of where it is. I don't know that there's a certain formula for it. Does that make sense? That was a very yeah, long answer. It does make sense. I, I agree with you. I don't think there is a formula. I think there's probably, it's probably a moving target for sure. different, like different stages of life, even within just a calendar year, you know, it can, yeah. it can drastically change. You have a life event um, that really changes things and it, it changes where you move into. And I got to say, I appreciate your perspective. Um, as a woman who has no children, because I think that sometimes the people who are, um, to use the metaphor, on the sidelines can really give us a better picture of the game. Oh, yeah. And so I think that, not that you're sidelined. That's no, I'm a cheerleader. Cheerleaders are like, yeah, you, you can see with clarity kind of what's going on in mm-hmm. the mix and, and speak, you know, frankly, which I appreciate. 
to that because I agree with you in, in terms of um, look, renewing our Bibles and knowing what our callings are. If I'm an older woman in the faith, it's not an option for me to pour into a younger woman. It, right. it's, that's tied, like you said, that's Titus too. And that is part of um, my calling. And now I can, it can look different ways and it can be lived out, fleshed out in different ways, but it's not really negotiable. And I think it's, why do you think we don't, why do you think we're not doing it? Couple reasons. Are you ready for this? <laughs> One, I think women are scared because we have comparison issues. We we like to compare ourselves with others. Well, you know what? I'm not so-and-so. I don't have a PhD in this. I don't know the Bible well enough. Um, I'm sorry. Or, well, okay. I'm sorry. It did not say you must have a PhD and be highly educated in scripture before mentoring someone. It said, as a mature Christian who has been in the faith, knows how to pray well, go get a girl and help her. That's what it says. Another thing, I think it's a personality thing. I think we're so scared. Like, I I don't want to be bothered. I like my comfort. I like my routine. And um, one of the things that I actually learned through... uh, it was a renew.org event. They talked about the difference in like mentoring and discipling. Um, and, and I think I you just got to go listen to it. I'm not going to try to like over explain it, but it's like finding ways to let that person fit into your life mm-hmm. instead of trying to rearrange your life. Um, yes. And also, I, I don't think that using the excuse I'm an introvert, I'm so sick of hearing that. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be really blunt. I'm sick of it. I'm an extrovert and I still have to do quiet time with God, which is really uncomfortable for me because I like being around people. Um, and it's the same thing for introverts. I don't, I'm sorry that you're shy. I, and I, you know what? I think that your reward is going to be great if you go out of your comfort zone to do that. The way that I think my reward is going to be greater when I spend quiet time with God, because it's easy for me to be around people and it's not for you. But I don't think that's an excuse um, at all. I think it's a really terrible excuse. Um, But I also think uh, it's our culture, right? So someone knocks on the door, what do you do? Well, I don't know what you do, but I hide. I'm an extrovert and I hide. What is up with that? Because I don't know. Maybe I've watched too many true crime stuff. I'm always immediately like it's a serial killer. Why would a serial killer be knocking on my door in the middle of the day? Like that doesn't even rationally make sense, but it's just, it's not our culture to um, be hospitable. It's not our culture to invite people in. As a matter of fact, if you look at up and coming neighborhoods, they no longer build sidewalks because people don't go to each other's houses. So I think we really have to fight against culture we have to fight against our personalities. We have to fight against our insecurities. And we just have to, because that's what we're called to do as Christians. And there, don't you think there's such a blessing on the other side of that? Because I am that introverted person oh, yeah. who is um, like for quiet space and all the things. And when I have moved out into places that are uncomfortable and I've seen a fruit, I know it's not me. Mm-hmm. It's not me. It's God. Like all glory to God. And um, he He does really equip you um, for the work. It's just, Absolutely. it's so much better than just being comfortable all the time. Yeah. I'm sorry if I sounded too harsh. <laughs> I like you. Like you and I, we're soul sisters and didn't even know it. Like, yeah. <laughs> forward. I love it. I love straight talk. I don't do nuance yeah. very well. Well, and I think that's another thing. Women, it's like, we're just, we beat around the bush. Like, just say it. Like, come on. If you need corrected, let's rip the bandaid off. And then I'm going to love you to death. Yes. You know, we got out of the way. Now let me love you. Let me hug you. It's okay. Be mad at me. We'll work it out. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I love all, I just love it, love it, love it. I do really want to encourage us to, um, this is such an American impulse to mind our own business, mm-hmm. to do our own thing. I really just want to amen with everything you've just said, because it's, it's so critical. Our families, even our church families, like nuclear families, they're dying inside. Our numbers are not much better than the world. No. And so um, we've got to be in each other's business. We have got to. It's, it's critical. And we have to correct. We have to correct in love. 
Yes. Everyone is so scared of doing it. It doesn't say be a total rude, hateful person, mm-hmm. but if you're never, and oh, people are all the time, only God can judge me. Really? Where's <laughs> that at? Because I just read in John that you're not to be judgmental in this way, but to be right, like to judge with righteousness, literally calling Christians to judge with righteousness. And it says to correct in love. And if, Yes. Ah, don't get me fired up. I, I, I won't get off that. I won't get off. That. I, I was totally guilty of that in my twenties. You know, I would see my young married friends and I'd be like, huh, their marriage is going totally off the rails. Isn't that sad? That's it. I mean, I didn't intervene. I didn't speak truth. I didn't go get an elder of the church to kind of help come and bring wisdom. I just went my own way and I'm repented of that. And it's messier to get involved in each other's stuff, but that's such a more path of blessing. I mean, that's all obedience is. Yeah. But, um, yes, we got to repent of that. Being sure. present, bearing one another's burdens. Yes. Now, yes. For the record, I'm not encouraging women to get mixed up in drama because that's something completely different. Yeah. Um, Proverbs, I love this Proverbs. It says um, getting in the middle of people's quarrels is like grabbing the ear of a stray dog. Like, What does that mean? You're going to get bit, right? Mm -hmm. But if you see someone who is actively living in sin and you have the kind of relationship that you can correct in love, then go for it. And one last thing I'll say is if you're excited about correcting someone, you're not the person to do it. Yeah, totally. But I mean, I I do. I I can think of relationships I've had um, where my kids as teenagers were like, you know, my friend is really unhappy at home. You know, they had just gone through a traumatic life event. Um, Their mother had passed away. Mm -hmm. And so um, I didn't go to the dad, you know, and and intervene. And things began to go really badly with the children. And um, so the next time I saw that happening, we inserted ourselves. And then we found ourselves with a young woman living with us for two years. That's radical, radical like countercultural action. And that's all, that's God. I'm introverted. I like my, I like my quiet house. Yeah. I ha- we moved in the most extroverted extrovert verbal processor that you ever did meet. And honestly, it was such a joy. So I can just say it's a path of blessing. It's, it's crazy wild ride, but it's a path of blessing. Absolutely. Uh, so, okay, let's move on to um, Bible study and being women of the book. Cause yeah. I, I listen, I love this stuff. I um I love to study the Bible. I love God's word. I think some women are intimidated by mm-hmm. that and are like, you know, I just need like I we're we're burdened down by so many things. We're juggling so many balls and we just feel like, ugh, I don't have the bandwidth for that. Tell us that we're wrong. We're wrong, right? Wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> You're so wrong. If you don't have the bandwidth you don't have the time, then it's time to reprioritize. Now, I say this as someone who's right there with you. Like, I'm not sitting here like, I've got it figured out, children. Come along. Like, that's not it at all. But I often have to preach to myself constantly. Um, Megan, we've got to set time aside to just study scripture. Um, As someone who teaches the Bible, it's really easy to be like, yeah, but I just taught it, so that's enough. No, 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 no. <laughs> that was, that's different. I need to spend alone time with God too. I need to learn more about him and who he is. So yeah, um, there are busy seasons in your life. And I think we need to be graceful. We need to give ourselves grace. I think that's really important. But that doesn't mean that you can become complacent. I think we have to be very careful of that. That's a good, uh, that's a good word. So, okay. So you've convinced us, let's assume our, our viewers here, you've convinced us we should be studying the Bible. So Study the Bible. what do we do? You know, what, uh, do we just crack it open? Like, give us some tips. How can we, how can we be intentional about this? And um, I think with like a lot of things in obedience, we start to like it more. Once oh, yeah. it. You know, you, we, you get a taste for holiness and you start to like that, you know? So, and so how can we do that? How can we be intentional? Well, first of all, with, I keep saying, first of all, because I'm in my head, I'm like trying to line these up, which is not even like me. So maybe you're rubbing off on me a little bit. <laughs> first of all, um, I do want to say something. How do
do you know what's being taught to you or preached to you is correct if you're not studying it for yourself? And I have seen so many people learn false gospels, prosperity gospels, and you can't correct something that you don't know the truth. You have no uh, form of measurement. And so it's really important that we're studying the Bibles for ourselves, that we're critically thinking through it and not just parroting commentaries or study notes, but that we ourselves are looking through it and we're using cross-references to see what scripture interprets scripture, right? So it uses itself and it's really important that we do that. So I do think it's really important for women to be women of the word. One, we're super influential over the children. Two, we're influential over our friends. Three, we're influential over men, whether they want to admit it or not. And then four, because we want to be able to have a standard for teachers who are teaching us, right? So there's that. That's why it's so important that we study our Bible. Also, how do you know God if you don't read him or try to get to know him? Read about him. Your God isn't, Bible isn't God, but you know what I mean. If yeah. you're not reading the Bible, how do you love someone you don't know, right? I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. It's our discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today. You know, I'm, I'm picturing like I have a mom's discipleship group. They're all, they're 30-ish. They all have a couple of kids or more. Mm-hmm. They're tired. They're busy. Yeah. And and um, I'm thinking in terms of like, what would I tell them? Because this season of my life, I got time, girl. I got morning time. I've got afternoon time. I got evening time. I, I got time. But there's a lot of women that don't have time. Yeah. So make time, of course, but but if we're thinking ahead, if we think in terms of um, not just sitting down and opening our Bibles up and just reading, there's I'm I'm assuming there's some groundwork we can lay. There's some um, methodical things we can do to help us get the most out of that time we're spending studying the Word. Absolutely. So um, we've created a Bible study technique. So you guys are more than welcome to use this. We call it the bold method. Get it? Because we're the bold movement. Right. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) It's an acronym. Um, B, start with the Bible. So you're going to do Bible annotations and you're going to make notes and you're going to critically think just reading it. You're not going to notes at the bottom of your study Bible. You're not running to commentaries. Like I said, you are reading it just straightforward. You're going to think through it and um, highlight who's talking and who they're talking to. Make a note of where they're at. Um, what's, what is something that's being repeated? When scripture repeats itself, we need to pay attention, right? If it says it once, it's important. If it's repeating itself, it's really important. Like find a key or a guide and do that. We have some available online that you can check out. Um, I know a lot of people who do that. So we start with Bible, start with your Bible. Then we do, oh, open up your resources. And after you've thought about it, now it's time to see what other people have thought or um, different things that can help us study. So you can look at the study notes in your study Bible. You can run to a commentary, check out maps and atlases and figure out what's the terrain. So why is it a big deal that all of these swine ran off the edge of this territory. Well, there's a, this is a Gentile territory. The Jews are there. What's happening? You know, like it helps with that stuff. Check out cultural background commentaries. It's going to give you more information on what's happening with those people, why they live the way they do and um, just how they are culturally. And some of that stuff will make a little bit more sense to you as well. There's all kinds of resources out there. Again, you can go to our website and check that out. The next is L, learn the material. And this is where we ask three simple questions. What does this passage say about God? What does this passage say about me? 
And what is this passage calling me to do? What is my call to action? Sometimes it's to just reflect on what happened in the past and rejoice in God. Sometimes it's an actual physical go do something. And then D, that's the do something part. Um, it's not helpful to study scripture and then keep it in your mind. Mm-hmm. Knowledge puffs up, love yes. builds up. Say it again for the people in the back. That is so true. That's such a good word. Yeah. So go ahead, study, get that information, and then go do something with it. Otherwise, don't waste don't waste your time. Yeah. It actually, um, I think you become dangerously calloused yeah. to the word if you if you just do, don't do it and don't do it and don't do it once you've been in the word. That's a dangerous place to, do, to be. My husband and I teach a Sunday school class um, every week, and we say like, "Don't you go home and not do this." Like week after week, just don't come back in here because I don't want you harder in your heart on my watch. Like, (laughs) which I was guilty of that. And sometimes I still am. It's like, well, I'm a busy person. So at least I'm studying. Yeah, I'm studying and that's great, but I still need to do something with it. I still need to cook for people who are sick. I still need to volunteer and babysit for the single mom. Like whatever I need, I need to do that. It's really important. I also want to encourage women. I think sometimes... Um, there's a lot of pressure to do those, like read the Bible in a year kind of things. There's nothing wrong with that. Do it. I love it. But I also think there's a lot, I'm I'm giving you permission. Okay. Have permission just to slowly work through a book and really study it. If we're just always just reading, just to read it and get through it, then we're not really going to absorb anything. But if we take our time in scripture just focus on one book at a time and just really deeply study it. We don't, you're, you're setting an arbitrary timeline. It's not necessary. I agree with you. I have a friend who, um, he's like a grown man. He's like 40. He said, you know, his mom gave he and his brother a challenge. They, they all read through the Bible in 90 days, 90 days. That's a, that is a sprint through scripture. It's such a different picture than where, than where they also did a slow walk you know, like you're describing. So they, it's not, it's not either or they've done right. both and there's benefit um, to each one. And I, I'll have to just say, I listened to your um, podcast in preparation for this conversation and it's, it's great. You lay some groundwork. Um, so I was listening to your intro to the gospel of Mark, 15, 20 minutes. I'm driving doing my errands. And I just like learned like all the, the, um, kind of background of the gospel of Mark and, and who he was and why he wrote it and the things like that. Um, there are lots of moms um, and just busy professionals use their drive time for things yeah. like that. And that would be great. And I love how you say open the Bible first um, without the commentaries mm-hmm. and just let the Holy Spirit walk you through that reading process. That was something I learned at Bible study fellowship years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was a like commentary girl. I love to just go straight. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. You don't go to men before you go to God. Right. <laughs> you let God, let God, ask God to like teach you through his Holy Spirit. Then you go to all these wonderful, wise scholars who have done very good work. That's very helpful. But just keep things in the right order. So that acronym makes it really easy to remember. Yeah. Well, that's what we were going for. I had a Bible professor. Um, he once told me, why do you care so much what man thinks about God when you don't know what God thinks about God? So when you said that, I was like, Listen, you don't have to be so hateful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would highly recommend it's called talk, talk Bible to me. Talk Bible to me. Talk Bible to me. Yeah. Is that a play on the song? Yes. <laughs> Did we mention the song? Probably not. <laughs> Don't do that. I just, you know, we're, we're trying to win, be all things to all people, Renee. Yeah, it was clever. It was very clever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about um, the role that prayer plays in, um, mm. in our Bible study and just in our daily calling in general, because um, I think this is something that a lot of women love to do. I know so many women who are just amazing women of prayer. And, um, but, but not all of us, you know, some of us, that's a struggle for us. So can you tell me the benefits of prayer in terms of um, study and calling? Yeah. So prayer is not, 
let me let me tell you what prayer is not first. <laughs> prayer is not um, for God. Prayer is for us, right? And um, I think that's really important to know. God already knows what we're thinking. God already knows what we're going through. Prayer is for us to verbalize that to God because he wants us to. He's called us to do that. He, it's really important. But it's also so we can just have that communion with God and that fellowship with him um, and actually set time aside for it. He hears your prayers. He's listening. He wants to talk. It's a lot like I heard uh, an example of like um, this guy was laying in bed and he heard his kid running down the hall and he said, I'm in here. I'm in here. Like, come here. You're safe. You're safe. And it was like, why would you call out to your son instead of just going and meeting him? And I was like, because I wanted him to know I was here and he's safe and it's okay. And it's like, that's how God is. He, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to like, come pray to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he doesn't come and drag us by our hair, but he calls out like, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Um, which I will say something else just because you don't, this is really important. I just feel like I'm just going to throw this out there. Just because you don't quote unquote feel God does not mean that he is not present. Um, yeah. God yes, is not an emotion. Yes. God's not an emotion. He's not a feeling. So I just want that to be very clear. Prayer is so important when you're studying scripture because in James, it tells us that when you ask for wisdom, God will give it to you. And I think if we pray for wisdom on how to read scripture and how to make sure that we're keeping it about God and not making it about us um, and really giving that perspective, like this is not about me, um, that helps us actually keep it in context a little bit more. Um, but also just praying for wisdom on how to study scripture, praying for wisdom on how to use your spiritual gifts and just having that fellowship with God. That's how you grow with him. You talk with him. Um, prayer is us talking to God. Scripture is him talking back to us. Mm -hmm. Would you say prayer is also listening? No, I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> So, because I, because I really did for years think of it in terms of just me, blah, 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 blah. Like I was just mm -hmm. talking, 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 and I never like paused. <laughs> it's, I, why am I saying this where people can see it and hear it? <laughs> Vulnerability, man. Right. Yeah, no. but, um, but yeah, just the listening part of it has been kind of a revelation to me in my older years and where, I mean, raising children will bring you to your knees for a multitude of reasons, but but you're right, like to listen, to know your children, to know your husband, and to say like, God revealed to me what's going on here um, and and help me, um, yeah, and help me to understand your word and help me to love your word and help me, you know, all the, all the different things. Um, prayer is so important, so important. Also, I think it's important, um, prayer is just not asking God for stuff. Like, what if we radically did something different and prayer, like, have you ever just spent time in prayer, just praising God and thanking him and just telling him about his attributes, just complimenting him, just you're good. And I am so grateful for this without asking for anything. Uh -huh. um, it's a discipline. And I think it's something that Christians really need to get in, in a routine of doing, not just constantly asking. So if a woman who's watching this is saying, okay, like, okay, honestly, I'm not really praying all that much. The arrow prayers all through the day, you know, sure. talking to God. Would you, how, what would you say, like, how could she go about just starting this? Um, it's a spiritual discipline, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's just because something doesn't feel good or because we don't think we're good at it, we don't get exempt from it. Mm -hmm. It's for our good, as you said. It's for our good to develop this. So how would you tell a young woman um, or an older woman to, to is, there, is there some practical things she can do to start? Sure. Um, first of all, whenever you're praying, I don't care if you spend three hours in prayer or you just do one-offs. As long as you're praying, I'm going to be happy. But a way to grow your prayer life so that you can be consistent and really mindful of it, um, have a challenge. So um, start with day one and set a timer. It's actually from my husband. I wish I could take credit, but it was really from his mind. But um, start day one and set a timer for one minute. Turn your... turn turn do not disturb on turn everything off just spend time in prayer for one minute on day two you're going to pray for two minutes on day three you're going to pray for three minutes and work your way up to 30 days and just spend 
30 minutes in prayer with God and just try that and see, maybe that's just not for you. Maybe, maybe 30 minutes of just praying um, is not for you. I doubt it because as Christians, we're going to love that, especially as we've trained ourselves to do it. I'm just trying to like not scare you guys. (laughs) That's very wise. I love that one minute and then just one more minute every day. It's so doable. Yeah. Increase it in increments. Yeah. It's like the push-up challenge. My son did the push-up challenge one year and January one was one push-up. January two was two push-ups. And then he had to stop. You know, I think we figured it out. He did like 55,000 something push-ups that year Uh by the time, because it's exponential, right? Right. And so um, just think of all the time in prayer. Even if we, even if we didn't make it to 30, even if we just made it to 15. Yeah. And kept that up um, in addition throughout the day. Um, I also, when I, cause I don't, I think I'm not, I'm not great at prayer. So like, it's not what I'm good at naturally. So something I've done is um, just hung out with a friend who is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, can we just pray together? And it's like her very favorite thing to do. You know, you know, her kitchen's a mess. Mine's not. <laughs> she could like, that girl could just drop down and pray anywhere, like hour, two hours, three hours. She loves it. And that, oh my goodness, that helped me so much. Yeah. It helped me so much. And um, then we went, you know, got like with three friends. And if you, women, we long for community. There is no better way to make a friend, just side benefit, than to pray with someone. Yeah. It's it's so intimate. Um, So that was, that was my takeaway was, and there's podcasts on prayer. You know, I, I listened to one, it's called Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. It's seven to 12 minutes. Yeah, so we're back to Titus 2, where we're like, okay, let's get together with different um, women with different giftings, and let's pour into each other. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's so, it's it's really great. It's so beautiful. All right, so talk to us about making the most of our time. I'm going to, I'm going to say something that kind of might seem, how can we count the cost of our, of, of our time? I'm going to say something that might seem like the opposite, but hear me out, okay? okay. My husband and I recently committed to simple living. Um, I was really into the whole minimalism idea. Um, notice I said the idea of it, not actually doing it. But, you know, I like having things on my walls. So minimalism was not for me. But there is something to be said about living simply with necessities and not an abundance of stuff. Um, And I think that translates, well, also a spiritual discipline is simplicity. Um, And I think that translates over to our time as well. I think women are overcommitted. And I think um, we just keep piling stuff up on our plate. And I think we just need to take a step back and say, you know what? I need to just not do this much stuff. We are not created or designed to be so overwhelmed with stuff 24 seven, right? There is a Sabbath for us to rest. And I think that's really important. Um, I don't think if you work on the Sabbath that you're going to hell by any means, but um, I think God has given us permission to rest, but we just refuse to do it. And I think that's a cultural thing. So I think what we need to do is just kind of take a step back and say, I need to eliminate some stuff and I need to just simplify my life Um, because when we are so overwhelmed or bombarded with things that are happening, um, that we can't find time to just do the most important thing, which is study scripture, which is just spending time with God, being in prayer, teaching and training our children at home, um, you know, reading scripture with our husbands. If we can't find time for that, then what the heck are we doing with our lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. And maybe that means, you know, like, I'm not a mom, like I said, but I'm not afraid to say it. Like, maybe that means your kid doesn't go on the soccer travel ball team. That's okay. Like, I promise it's going to be okay. Would you rather them go to heaven or the World Cup? Because I think one of those is exponentially more important. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I love I love what you're saying because um, my parent and my husband and I have taught parenting classes for 20 years because we couldn't find older people to teach it. So we were just like learning it and doing it and then coming back and talking about it. We actually now have some street cred. We have two like normally adjusted children who don't hate us. So (laughs) we can actually say, hey, some of this worked. So no, I'm kidding. They're wonderful. But um, but yeah, like 
I, I tell people like put everything, everything on the table, you know, mm-hmm. just like there, there's so few things that are non-negotiable. Um, and in my, in, in my work in ministry, you know, I've seen marriages that are just in like deep, deep trouble and, yeah. um, they won't even go to counseling because they don't have the money. They don't have the boundaries with their money because they are paying for professional, you know, like golf lessons and softball lessons and fill in the blank, you know, for their children. And it's just the priorities are so out of whack. And so I think you're right. I think it's so, I think yearly, it would be a great exercise to just ask yourself those hard questions. Yeah. Like what if I allowed to creep in that's actually not essential? Yeah. And um, especially in terms of sports, I, I struggled with that. I, I thought I was ruining my son's childhood when I said we're not doing, um, I think it was soccer at the time, because it was just too much time away from home. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, oh, no, if I made like, am I, am I taking some childhood joy away from him? But we did. We were just looking at, okay, what, how much time do we have with our children? We have this many years with them. Is it worth it? Is yeah. that many hours away? And we homeschooled. I was home with them during the day. And we still decided, you know, that's not, that's not something we're wanting to do. So such, I love it. And I love how you can just say, like, ask the hard questions and, and make the hard choices. It's mostly a will issue, not a, not a, I can't do it or something like that. Yeah. We just, it's, it's an idol. Something's an idol. If your kids and their sports teams, you know, if you're spending more time at the ball fields on Sunday than you are at church but you're expecting the church to train your children. Like there's a problem there. And what you've done is you've made your child, your idol. You are worshiping your child or you're worshiping the sport or you're worshiping how people see you and perceive you. I have idols and I'm just as guilty, not in that area, simply because I'm not a mom. So that's an easy one for me to kind of point a finger at. But another thing, my husband and I walk around our house every year and we get rid of the one thing that's most time consuming to us or that we idolize most. So like, if that means, you know, this year I need to get rid of my TV because I'm spending way too much time on TV, then I get rid of TV. If that means that I'm spending too much time on social media, then I delete my social media. If that means I'm spending, you know, I care more about this guitar than I do my husband. I get rid of the guitar. Whatever it is, um, we have to kill our idols. They have to be killed. Now, don't go kill your kids if they're your idol. <laughs> Just kill your worship of the idol. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's really wise. I like that idea of just once a year assessing, okay, what took the most time last year? Yeah. What stole my attention from God? And that's what it is. It's stealing attention from God. Oh, that is so good. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. That's a, that's a date night conversation for sure with my husband. <laughs> Love it. Okay. I want it. We have, we're running out of time. We've got about 10 minutes left and I want to talk about um, single women yeah. because like I have two dear women in my life who are both single, never been married. One's in her sixties and one's in her forties. And both of them, they're just, they're, they do amazing ministry and that neither one of them has spent their lives like in a holding pattern, waiting on a man, waiting on a husband. And I think that, um, I, I think they feel like sometimes they don't have a place. Right. Well, I mean, the church is not the church in America. I need to clarify the church in America is not really the church in America is not set up for single women or singles in general. Everything is very family focused. And that's not a knock on it. I think it's great that we celebrate families and that we're worshiping together as families. Um, And it is hard. But I do think one of the disservices we do is we tell women who long for husbands like, oh, but when you find your identity in Christ and when you find contentment in Christ, then you can have a husband. And I just think that's nonsense Um, because we have we were created to want to be with someone. And like, I don't think that we need to make women feel bad because they want a husband as a Christian and I, I, and they want companionship. We were built and designed that way. So I think we need to celebrate that. But I also think we need to encourage women. And this is really hard to hear as a single woman, but you have one of the most idealistic 
ministry opportunities because there's nothing holding you back. You don't have a husband you have to check in with. You don't have to worry about another person as you're doing ministry. You don't have to make sure the kids are taken care of. You can pick up and go and do anything at any time. And I think it's really important that you utilize that time while you're single. I'm not telling you not to long for a husband or not to want to be with someone, but I am saying use your time wisely because once you're married or once you're committed to someone, you're not going to have the opportunities that you have as a single person. So celebrate where you are. Don't be ashamed for what you long for, but just celebrate where you are and utilize that time. That's so important. So true. And my my one friend, I mean, I've been personally blessed by her willingness to really do the hard things that God's calling her to. So she's not, she's had two or three people live with her for extended periods of time. You know, she's single. She's got a good size house, lovely yeah. home. And she like her home is God's home. And when um, my daughter-in-law, her family was moving across the country, it was her senior year of high school. And she didn't want to move away from her, you know, her town. And so my friend let her move in. She, she moved in with her for her whole last year. And do you think that didn't influence her? Oh my goodness. What magnificent opportunities to pour into her. And she also poured into my daughter. So I was personally blessed in that way as well. Um, My daughter, Emma met her on a mission trip and she came back and she said, mom, I met this woman that I want to be like when I grow up. And I was like, Hey, wait a second. (laughs) What am I? Don't you want to be like me? And I was like, no, 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 just kidding. I'm not kidding. That actually hurt my feelings, but I understand it's okay. That's right. I understand. It's okay. And she, and she told me who it was. And I said, well, call her up, ask her to go to coffee. And that began, I didn't even know her. So I began to know her because my daughter began to know her. And so um, I just think single women have such a powerful, um, just life situation for like radical kingdom activity. Like you said, like they've got so much bandwidth um, for just being available. You know, sure. like they're, they're, they're married to Christ and they're, here we go. Where are we yeah. going to go? What are we going to do? I love it. All right. I want to close this out with just some thoughts from Proverbs 31, just in terms of um, women's ministry and how we both hate the fluffy stuff. I loved this article I found about Proverbs 31. And um, the author, Scott Hubbard, wrote that Proverbs 31 belongs to Israel's heroic poetry, characterized by recounting the hero's mighty deeds and usually his military exploits. And the godly wife and mother in this poem is a spiritual heir of Israel's ancient heroes, a kind of domestic warrior. In other words, she's a heroic homemaker. Yeah. And he goes on to to note like all of the um, military words that are used to describe this woman. She's valiant. She's strong. Um, The food and clothing she provides are described as spoil or game, gain, which is a term, like a term from the army. Mm -hmm. And as she approaches her work, she girds her loins with strength or dresses herself with strength which is an image associated with a warrior doing, you know, going forth in a heroic action. She laughs at the time to come like a heroic warrior or a victorious king, and she's done valiantly. So um, just in closing thoughts, I, I think that, I mean, I love your title, The Bold Movement, because I think it kind of encapsulates that idea that. Um, I'm so glad you said that because we that was like a big thing for us. Oh, it was. So I'm really glad. Yeah, it was. It, it's, you know, boldness is associated with masculinity, but we're trying to show women that femininity does not mean weak and fragile, but being feminine, like, is strong and it's powerful. And look at what the female body can do. We can grow children inside of us. Men can't do that. Like, we, we have emotional abilities to sympathize and empathize with people and we can be the nurturers and literally the same words used for the Holy Spirit are used to describe women. 
the helpmate. It, it doesn't mean that we're second class citizens or that we're the second hand. It just means that we have this special role that we need to embrace because we're fighting a war too. We're, we're fighting spiritual battles, not just for us, but for our family. And it's the wife who prays, men pray, and that's great. But like women pray, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it when you get all worked up. I, I, I do, know, man. It doesn't I don't know all your triggers, but that's one of your triggers. <laughs> it is like, you know, we're smart. And I think people, they don't give women credit. Like we're smart, we're capable and we can study scripture. So quit giving us fluff because we can handle it. Like I, we're studying judges, man. I am not even scared of it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, I don't know that I, that I can say anything after that. So thank you, Megan, <laughs> so much for coming on and just talking through some of these things, radical action, how we can move out into God's kingdom in intentional ways in our home and the church and the world. We can do it. Absolutely. Right God and the Spirit's help, we can do it. We can and we have to. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's okay. a command. Agreed. Obedience. Obedience is the thing. So check out the boldmovement.com. You can find a lot of their resources there. You can find that podcast we talked about there. Um, a lot of great, a lot of great stuff. So thanks again, Megan, for joining us. And we'll see you next time on discipleship.org. Thanks for having me, guys. That was a fantastic episode. Thank you so much, Renee and Megan. You know, I'm a dude, but I've really been enjoying this radical series that's been showing in the collective. The shows have been airing on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. and they've been really great. Like I said earlier, you can get a free account to start watching today by going to discipleship.org collective. And one last thing, don't forget about that podcast promo I was telling you about earlier, where you can get 50% off your ticket price for the National Disciple Making Forum, which is coming up November 4th and 5th. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you around next week. Music.